Our scripture reading this morning comes from the New Testament, John chapter 8, verses 48 through 58, page 1139 in your pew Bible. Will you join me in the prayer for illumination of this scripture? Dear Heavenly Father, enlighten our meditation on these words of Jesus as he tells the Jews of old, and now us, who he is and his promise to those who keep his word. In the name of the one who was before Abraham, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. John eight forty eight through 58. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? You, who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, it is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Thank you, Rex. Ego eimi is the Greek for I am. If you read through the Gospel of John, you'll see there are many I am statements. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the bread of life. But this passage that Rex just read in John chapter 8 is probably the most powerful I am statement because ultimately Jesus is saying, I am, I am God. For in our text from the Old Testament, as we continue our journey through the story, Exodus 3, God reveals his name to Moses, the great I am. So I'd invite you to uh, turn in your pew Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It may be found on page 59 of your red pew Bible. Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. 
And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why is the bush, why the bush is not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this will be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Here ends the reading of God's word. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me as you pray. Holy Spirit, Please speak through me, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I love this question by Moses. God miraculously calls Moses to do the unthinkable, the remarkable, the miraculous, to go to Pharaoh and to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And overwhelmed by the commission and the command, Moses responds to God and says, humbly, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses. Moses is a very humble man. In fact, we read in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, and this is one of the evidences that Moses did not write the entire Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, uh, Moses, or it is written, and not by Moses, no one would write this if you were 
trying to write the book. Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. If you were the meek, humble person, you would have written, I was the most meek, humble person on the face of the earth, would you? Now, Moses is inspired and, and, and credited for writing much of the Pentateuch, but obviously some redactors came in later to add this wonderful descriptive line of Moses. Reminds me of the time I met uh, John Krantz. He's a pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Houston. I had just come out of seminary, and uh, it was my first day at the First Presbyterian Church of Houston where I was the singles and college minister there. And we went out to lunch together, and we were getting to know one another. And he said, well, tell me, Howard, what are your spiritual gifts? And I shared with him what I understood my spiritual gifts to be. And I turned to him and said, what about you? What are your spiritual gifts? He said, well, my greatest gifts are leadership, preaching, and humility. (laughs) Afraid humility is not a spiritual gift, is it? As followers of Jesus, we should all be humble. In our faith, we humbly declare that Jesus Christ alone is Lord, recognizing that he is Lord, and we are not. As we follow Jesus, we have to recognize that Jesus, the Son of God, was a very, very humble man, was he not? For even though Jesus was God incarnate, God in the flesh. Jesus came to this earth not to be served, but to serve. There's a great scene in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, where James and John, the two brothers, one of Jesus, some of Jesus' 12 disciples, come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, will you allow me to sit at your left hand and at your right hand when you come into your glory, when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus looks at them and says, oh, you, you don't get it. You're not quite ready and he says these powerful words, Mark chapter 10, 42 to 45, Jesus says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Humility is a mark of a Christian, is it not? Every follower of Jesus should be humble because the man we follow, Jesus Christ, he was a very humble man. Andrew Murray, a Dutch Reformed minister and from South Africa who was raised as the child of missionaries in South Africa, writes a beautiful book called Humility, The Journey Toward Holiness. And in it he writes, Meekness and Lowliness of Heart are the chief marks by which they who follow the Lamb of God are to be known. As followers of Jesus, we should be humble because Jesus was humble. As God incarnate, fully God and fully man, Jesus humbled himself and became a little baby in a manger. And then he grew up serving under his stepfather, doing a blue-collar job as a carpenter, And then he began to teach and he began to minister to the needs of others. And and in John 13, we read the powerful story where he gets on his hands and feet and he actually washes the disciples' feet, every single one of them, even Judas. He washes Judas' feet on the very night that Judas is about to betray him. And, And for us to really fully appreciate that, we have to recognize that even in the first century, they would not require, you could not require a Jewish slave to wash someone's feet. It was such a dirty job that only foreign slaves would be required to wash another person's feet. But Jesus humbles himself, washes his disciples' feet. And then just a few days later, he has the most humble act of all, where he dies a criminal's death on a cross so that we all might be saved, so that our sins might be atoned for once and for all through his perfect sacrifice. 
Yes, Jesus was humble. And if we're going to follow Jesus, then we, like him, must be humble. Expounding on the importance of humility, Andrew Murray writes this, true humility begins and finds its strength in the knowledge that it is God who works all in all, that our place is to yield to him in perfect resignation and dependence, in full consent to be and to do nothing of ourselves. On the night that Jesus is betrayed in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. As followers of Jesus, we've got to recognize that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. It's one of the greatest characteristics of Moses was that he was a very humble man. But Moses wasn't always so humble, was he? If you read Exodus chapter 2, you read that when Moses was a young man, having been raised in the household of Pharaoh, in the palace of Pharaoh, Moses sees an Egyptian who is abusing another one of his people, another Israelite. And so Moses looks around and sees that no one's there, and in a fit of rage and anger and pride, he, he strikes down the Egyptian and kills him, and then tries to bury his sin into the ground. Well, later the very next day, Moses sees two Hebrews fighting one another. And so Moses tries to step in and he asks the two Hebrews, why do you strike your companion? And one of the Hebrews answers, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill us as you killed the Egyptian? Moses is terrified because he realizes that his sin of killing an Egyptian is now known. And so he flees to Midian. And eventually he gets married and has to herd his father-in-law's sheep. Now as one who was raised in Pharaoh's household, in the palace of Pharaoh, Moses would have been taught that, he, that shepherds were a despised, lowly, dirty position. In fact, they were viewed as abominations, as you read in Genesis. So it must have been very humbling for Moses to, to serve and to serve as a shepherd. But not, notice that it's not to his own sheep. It's to his father's-in-law's sheep. Moses is now working for his father-in-law, which could never be easy, could it? Yes, Moses has gone from Pharaoh's palace to hurting his father-in-law's sheep, smelly, dirty sheep. As the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, I'm pretty sure that life had not turned out the way Moses thought it would. Moses has been humbled. And the scriptures tell us in 1 Peter 5, 5, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. Why do you think God opposes the proud exactly? I think God opposes the proud because the proud think that it's all about them. They're about their glory and their name. And so God opposes people who are proud. Proud people want to have it their way and they want to be in control. And when things don't go their way, they get angry. Yes, God opposes the proud. People who think it's about them. But he gives grace to the humble. It's true that God could have called Moses when he was a lot younger. It would have made a lot more sense to call a younger Moses, right? When he was vibrant and young, maybe in his 30s or or 40s, uh, with a little bit of wisdom. But God doesn't call Moses when he's young. No, God chooses to call Moses when he's 80 years old. Moses has been humbled by life's circumstances. He's realized that he can't do it on his own. Yes, I'm pretty sure when eight... Moses was 80 years old, he herding his father-in-law's sheep, herding the smelly, dirty sheep. He wasn't really looking for a big career change, right? I mean, that's not the time when you think about, I'm going to do something new and innovative. I'm going to go and help lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. That's not what was on Moses' mind. But Moses, in humility, was walking before the Lord. 
And notice in our text that it says, when he noticed the burning bush, when, when God saw that Moses noticed the burning bush and began to approach the burning bush, then God chose to speak to Moses. Moses had been humbled by life's circumstances. In the midst of that humility, he was open to what God might be doing. He was aware of what God was doing. And he noticed this bush and he wanted to see more. He was curious. And so God calls Moses to do the unthinkable, to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt at the age of 80 years old. God is calling this stuttering 80-year-old shepherd, a despised person in the eyes of the Egyptians, to somehow lead the people of Israel out from underneath the hand of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time. So Moses says in response to God's call, Exodus 3, verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses knew that he couldn't do this on his own. But isn't that who God calls? God calls the humble. God calls the humble. He gives grace to the humble to do great things so that they might rely on God even more so that ultimately God receives all the glory. Who am I, Moses asks, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God calls Moses when he's an 80-year-old stuttering shepherd to lead God's people out of Egypt. And that's a seemingly impossible call, is it not? God calls him to do the impossible. What is God calling us to do today? Did you know that there are more than 1,100 homeless in Amarillo today? More than 1,100 homeless. I graduated from Middle East in 1992. My graduating class had 550. Take my graduating class, which was a pretty big ceremony. I remember my graduation pretty well. Double that. And that's how many homeless are in Amarillo. I don't think God wants us to have that many homeless in Amarillo. What does God want us to do about the homelessness in Amarillo? Did you know there are 15 million children in our country today who live in food insecure households in the United States? These children don't know where their next meal is going to come from. I don't think God wants us to have children growing up in homes that are food insecure, 15 million of them, when we live in the wealthiest country in the world today. Did you know that there are over 30 million slaves worldwide, even though slavery is outlawed in most countries? I don't think God wants there to be that many slaves. Did you know that there are an estimated 17,000 people trapped as sex slaves in our own country today? I don't think God wants there to be that many slaves in our country or in the world today. Psychologists tell us that bullying is an epidemic in our schools today. According to some statistics, one out of four children in our schools will be bullied this year. And bullying is not just limited to the schoolyard nowadays. No, bullying happens on the internet for all the world to see. I don't think God wants that many children to be bullied in our community today. What does God want us to do about bullying, homelessness, hunger, slavery? But what can we do? These are such huge problems, overwhelming problems. There's no simple solution to such a large problem. As Moses said, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But listen to God's response. But God said, I will be with you. 
God will be with us. Isn't that what we just celebrated on Christmas? Emmanuel, that in Jesus Christ, God is with us. That through faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. And he who is in us, the scriptures say, is greater than he who is in the world. As the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, while he's in a Roman prison cell, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Where does our strength come when challenges come our way? Do we look to our own selves and our own abilities and our own resources? Or like Moses, do we humbly turn to God and seek his strength and seek his wisdom and seek his guidance? I believe God calls Moses because Moses was humble enough to recognize that alone he could not do what God was calling him to do. What is God calling you to do today? What is God calling us as the body of Christ at 1100 South Harrison in Amarillo, Texas, First Presbyterian Church? What is God calling us to do as the body of Christ together? As I look at the story of Moses, I believe the first thing God wants us to do is he wants us to humble ourselves and to pray. God wants us to humble ourselves and he wants us to pray. He wants us to turn to his holy word so that God might speak to us, so that God might give us guidance as we seek to to do his will here on this earth. Did you know that our church is involved with some really exciting initiatives here locally? Initiatives that are helping make a difference in the lives of many people. Every Monday night, we're involved with a ministry called Heal the City, led by our own Dr. Alan Keister. Where at the Generation Next Church, which is located on 6th Street, people are able to come and get free medical care. And there are so many ways you can volunteer with that. You can serve as a greeter. I know Virginia Maynard helps lead the children who come in in coloring books to help them as they wait uh, to receive some care. Or you can bring food to the doctors who are volunteering their time within our community to help minister to the sick and hurting, just as Jesus came and ministered to the sick and hurting of his day. Our church has a long-standing relationship with the Presbyterian Children's Home and the Opportunity School. If you'd like to help invest in the next generation for the kingdom of Christ, you can talk to Dr. Uh, Elder Emily Wood, who's uh, actually on staff part-time with uh, the children, Presbyterian Children's Home, or you can talk to our own Jill Goodrich, who is the executive director of the Opportunity School, about ways you might volunteer, ways you might help. You can serve as a reader at the Opportunity School. I know my wife, Sarah, volunteered to help tutor a young woman in the children's home uh, uh, called passion. She's a wonderful woman, and and Sarah was pouring into her. And what's amazing is you pour into these young people, God blesses you back tenfold. My wife was so blessed to get to know passion, to love on her, to be with her, to encourage her, as she continues to finish school. What is God calling you to do today? One of the ways that our church is trying to help people get out of cyclical and generational poverty is through our, our ministry called First Friends, uh, we're, we're friends and neighbor program. We're basically the friends and neighbor program. We volunteer to help a, a family or a couple or a single mom in the San Jacinto area to help get their GED by helping them navigate through the social welfare programs that uh, our community offers so that we can serve as an advocate for them as they go to the Salvation Army to, to get clothes or to the Tyler Resource Center or wherever, or to the Amarillo Food Bank, uh, High Plains Food Bank. What is God calling you to do? And how might we hear God's call. Now, Moses had the benefit of having a burning bush, right? Talk to him. That's kind of going to catch your attention. But be real clear that Moses was attentive to the burning bush before God spoke to him through that bush. Are we attentive to the way that God is moving in and through our lives today? We will be if we'll take the time we need each and every day to, to pray, 
to humbly pray and ask God to speak to us. As, as Samuel says in, in uh, 1 Samuel, as a little boy, he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. As we'll spend time praying and meditating on God's holy word, then we'll begin to see the world through the lens of Scripture. And we hear God speak to us not only through prayer and through Scripture, but through the Christ-centered community as we gather together to study God's word together. If you're not in a Bible study or a Sunday school class, we have a myriad of opportunities, whether it be through the women's ministry, if you're a woman, or the men's ministry. We've got lots of great Bible studies. We've got Wednesday night classes, Sunday school classes. But we need to gather together in community so that we might hear the, the Spirit of God speaking through each one of us, so that we might hear God clearly. And of course, God often speaks to us through his circumstances as he closes and opens doors for us, does he not? And God's call will be consistent with the way God has crafted us, and it will build on the experiences we already have. For God has given each one of us different spiritual gifts and abilities to be able to do the work of his kingdom. Now, no one would have thought Moses at 80 years old to be somebody God would call, but, but if you think about Moses' life, he was the perfect candidate to go back to Pharaoh's palace, to speak to Pharaoh, because he had seen firsthand how Pharaoh had treated those Israelites. He knew the culture of the Egyptian palace. Yes, Moses was the right man, but he was the right man because he was humble, willing to do whatever God called him to do. If the story of Moses teaches us anything today, it's that God calls the humble, regardless of age and stage. If you're not dead, God's not done with you yet. (laughs) He has something he wants to do in and through you. Are we willing to hear God's call? To hear God's call, we need to humble ourselves in prayer and meditation of his word in Christ-centered community so that we might hear God calling us and so that we might be used to the glory of his name. Amen? Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you call people like Moses someone who seemed like he was too old and had some inabilities, and yet, Lord, you saw a humble man who was willing to do and willing to serve and willing to follow your lead. Oh, Lord, we humbly come to you asking that you might speak to us in our time of prayer as we meditate on your word and in our Christ-centered community. Lord, may you use us to do the work of your kingdom so that you might receive all the glory. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son, who is the Christ. And all God's people said,